Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Friends, let me encourage you to turn with me, please, uh, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. If you find your way to Matthew 14, around about verse 25, we're going to make our way to the sacred scripture in just a moment. I want you to hold that place and hear these words. Jesus said, There is nothing more important than love. A new commandment, he said. A new commandment I give you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you. This is the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. But we believe and we have long held the conviction in the Christian faith that the love of God, it begins with the love of neighbor. And James said it that way. You cannot love God whom you've not seen and hate your brother whom you have seen. Or you, that makes you a liar. You, you've got to love God, but the love of God begins with the love of neighbor. But if you and I want to love our neighbor, actually truly really love our neighbor, real love like that is hard work. It's not easy work. It means that we say yes to a yieldedness that causes us in humility to begin seeking to understand something about that neighbor who perhaps we don't understand. That's love. Somehow learning to, to understand why is it they hold this position? Why is it they stand in the world the way they stand? Why is it they come at every matter that way and different? Than, why do they have these convictions that I don't? And why do they have a problem with the convictions that I have? So love begins with a seeking of an understanding of your neighbor. But the truth is, you can't really seek to love your neighbor or understand your neighbor until you begin to understand the person I need to understand most is me. Because I do things I don't want to do. And I fall in the same traps again and again and again. So to love myself begins with seeking to understand myself. And my love of self empowers me to love my neighbor. And my love of neighbor fully empowers me to love God the way I've been commanded. So because of that, we are in this series these many weeks entitled Me, Myself, and Why. And we're attempting to understand how we're wired and how those in our lives are wired so that we might be able to more fully live out the command of love given to us by Jesus. So we're using this ancient tool of the Enneagram to understand that we move through life in about nine different ways. There are about nine kinds of ways to see life, nine kind of archetypes personality types if you think of it that way and all of these tendencies are in all of us but one seems to emerge as our primary way of standing in the world and we're seeking to understand each of these and then we're going to scripture to find examples 
of how each of these kinds of nine different energies, nine different ways of seeing and viewing and doing life are demonstrated in the life of someone in Scripture so that we may learn something about ourselves and one another. So we've looked over the last five weeks, this is week number six, and we've realized that out of these nine, there are really three groups of three. Uh, There are some who are heart people and they feel their way through life. Some are head people and they think their way through life. And some are gut people or body people and they, they function or take action through life. And a couple of weeks ago, we finished up our conversation in the heart triad, the feelers among us, the twos, threes, and fours. And here's what I want to know. In our journey so far, how many of you in this room or in the Family Life Center recognize that you yourself are in the heart triad, twos, threes, and fours? Okay, lots of heart people, lots of feeling in the house. I feel you. So how many of you are in the heart triad? Well, we talked about you. If you've missed that, I want you to go back online and watch those sermons. But today we're in the middle of another triad, the thinking triad, the head triad. And specifically, we're talking today about sixes. Sixes are called the loyalist. The loyalist. Man, I love me some loyalists. You know what loyalists are like? Loyalists, well, they they got your back. I mean, if you're ever in a bar fight, you want a loyalist right next to you. Not that I recommend bars or fights, but... If you got to be in one, you, you want a six by your side because to a six, a six is concerned, watch this, a six is concerned primarily with the tribe, with the group, the clan, the family, the, the grouping, and they are concerned with the safety and security of that group that they belong to. And they will get your back. They will be with you as you climb that hill. They'll go over the hill with you. Loyalists. Well, they know how to love, and a super strength of theirs is a commitment to those whom they love. Can I just tell you, by the way, a, kind of a six story? Just to give you an idea of what this energy looks like in life. So I told you that David Harding is going to be up here in just a few minutes as an interview uh, for the six. Not yet, but in just a few minutes. Well, when we were in Orlando, I was David and Mary's pastor. They at the church where I was the pastor and I served as their pastor and David served as the chair of deacons during the time that I decided to stop wearing a tie to preach in Mm -hmm. yeah listen it was Orlando it was hot most of the men in the church didn't wear a tie so I just took the tie off I said let's just get real let's do this thing You would have thought I burned a Bible in the middle of the sanctuary. (laughs) I'm telling you, people just lost their minds. Ties started showing up in my mailbox. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It's great. It's wonderful. But I remember remember one deacon's meeting, and, and David's leading this devotion with the deacons. And David is a seer. David is is one who, when he speaks, you you want to listen. And he leads this devotion, <laughs> and he leads this devotion to our deacons on being clothed with Christ. <laughs> yeah. And he's talking about, we, you know, in, in essence, what he was getting at was we can either talk about being clothed with the character of Christ, the compassion and mercy of Christ, or we could talk about neckties. Which will it be? <laughs> now, that's a classic 
six action right there, right? A six is a loyalist. Now, David's a healthy six. A lot of sixes I know are very healthy sixes. But I want you to know something about sixes. I've told you that every number has a superpower, but that superpower comes with a kind of kryptonite. Well, the superpower of the six is that loyalty. But the problem is, for sixes, for the loyalist, that loyalty emerges out of a deep fearfulness about being in the world. Each one of our uh, Enneagram types that we've been talking about has a particular deadly sin uh, associated with it. For sixes, the deadly sin of the six is fear. But not fear in, in terms of knee-knocking, you know, terrorizing fear necessarily, but fear more in terms of this kind of generalized, always worried about something kind of fear. Sixes will go to the movies with you because they want to see the movie. It's got good ratings. It's going to be great. And you go to the movies, but the six watches the exits the whole time. Make sure there's a clean line of sight to get out in case there's an emergency. A six will be the one on the airplane who listens, actually watches and listens to the attendant tell us how to buckle our seat belts. You know, the six is concerned primarily with, is this safe? Are we secure? And it emerges out of this sense of unsteadiness about the unpredictability and untrustworthiness of the world and of people and of life. And out of that emerges a loyalty to those with whom they are doing life. Sometimes loyalists are known as the devil's advocate. You say something, they say, yeah, but what about this other thing? Do you have people in your family who, I think there are kind of, there are some what if peoples and there are some what about peoples. The what if peoples are like, hey, what if we, uh, what if we go hiking? But the what about, what about peoples are more like, yeah, but what about the rain and we didn't wear jackets and it's kind of cold, you know. For sixes, there's a lot of what about energy. Yes, we can do this, but let's, don't forget, there's some danger on the edges of this. You know, you've heard it said that a lot of people have the mindset that for every cloud, there is a silver lining, right? For sixes, it's more like, yes, for every silver lining, there's still a cloud. Let's not forget the cloud that's inside the silver lining. And all of this emerges be because of this, this deep abiding kind of fear. Now, no six will tell you that they're afraid, but they will orient in, in life in, in a way that demonstrates it. Right Now, as a six moves through life, what they, what they attempt to do is to secure their environment by attaching to either an individual or a group that makes things steady. The one thing I want you to know before we go to the character in the Bible who demonstrates six energy is this. Of all the numbers on the Enneagram, there is only one number that has two variations, and it's a six. And in the six space, there are those who are called phobic sixes and counterphobic sixes. Now, both of them deal with life by trying to manage a fear about going through life, but they deal with it in different ways. The phobic six is the person who tries to manage their fear by associating with a particular authority, and they welcome authority, and they yield to that authority. They yoke themselves loyally to that authority as a way to manage the fear of going through life. The phobic six is the one who can work in a career for 35 years. 
because you, you attach yourself to either a person or a system or an organization or an institution because it provides a security that down deep the, the phobic six is looking for. And that's a strength, but it's still fear. See, most are phobic sixes, but the counterphobic six is an entirely different experience. The counterphobic six still manages fear by a relationship with authority, but it's not yielding to authority. The counterphobic six fights authority and pushes back against authority. The phobic six takes the energy of their fear and, and, and scoops it up and projects it on a person or a group of people. A classic, uh, a classic, uh, 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 what am I saying? Non-phobic six. A classic phobic and non-phobic six. A phobic six is Adolf Hitler. A non-phobic six is Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was a classic example. The non-phobic six is the one who, who says the reason for all of our troubles is either this person or that group of people. So if you follow me, I'll take care of all of this. So a, a six like that, a counterphobic six, is one who uses black and white language. This is right and this is wrong. Fundamentalism grows under the leadership of counterphobic sixes. There's a right and there's a wrong, and I've got the answer. If there's any ambiguity at all, you just follow me and we'll be fine. And if you've watched Star Wars before, you know that only Sith speak in absolutes, right? Well, whether the, you are a counterphobic six or a phobic six, choosing to do something with your fear can be life-giving or life-taking. It's often been said that sixes are either at your feet or at your throat. Yeah. So in the Bible, there is a classic example of a six. It comes to us in Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. Listen to these words. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, Command me to come to you on the water. In fact, let's stop right there on that slide for just a moment. Do you see the classic six energy going on? They're in a sea of fear. But he says, if it is you, if you are the authority here, if you're the one walking on top of the very thing that we are afraid of, then command me and I will be loyal to you. I will attach myself to you. Command that I walk on the water and I will come. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, this is an epic example of a six experience. They are literally floating in fear. 
The watery chaos of the unpredictable has them going back and forth, and they see Christ walking upon the water toward them. And Peter, in classic sixth form, says, Hey, there is much to fear here, but if you tell me, I'll step out on the water and walk. And he steps out on the water and he walks, but then a curious thing begins to happen. In verse 30, we read these words, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink cried out lord save me sixes have enough courage to get out of the boat but are prone to sink in their fears prone to sink into their thoughts into their minds he sees the wind blowing and he was just fine as he was acting on faith but beginning to see the wind and think about the threat see sixes can catastrophize and one problem leads to another one thing that is triggering this fear will trigger another chain reaction of fear and he begins to sink and all of us can sink in our fears but six sixes sink into the fears that take place in their minds sinking into their minds well verse 31 continues the story jesus says you of little faith why did you doubt but i want you to pick apart this verse for a moment i want you to read this in a way that perhaps we don't typically read it because for years i've preached this verse and it's typically been preached in a way to somehow condemn peter for his lack of faith when the reality is he's the only one who got out of the boat all the others are still cowering in the boat. But I listen to the voice of Jesus with a different inflection in his tone of voice. He's not condemning him for having no faith. He's saying, oh, you of a little faith. You, you have a little faith. Not like the others who stayed in the boat with none at all. But you, with a little faith, stepped out. Why did you doubt? Sixes just like many of us, but sixes particular, need to be reminded that the little bit of faith that you have within is enough to do more than you think you can do. Instead of sinking into what I don't have and the scarcity mind of all the faith that I am lacking, this story reminds us that there is much within us, even a little bit of faith, can cause us to walk on the chaos that threatens us. See, Peter, just like all sixes and many of us, we don't, we don't come to this place overnight. But Peter carried around within him what all sixes do, which is a wounding message. And we all have wounding messages we carry in us. But for a six, you know what the wounding message is for a six? The wounding message they carry around is this. It's not okay to trust yourself. Because if you... If you live in a world where you can't trust yourself, then I've got to yoke myself to somebody who can, something, some group, some person who I am willing to entrust because clearly I don't trust myself. Sixes walk through the world with this basic underlying assumption that that which is in them is not enough to be safe. But there is a healing message that is offered through Jesus Christ. The healing message that sixes and all of us, but particularly sixes, need to hear is this. You are safe. Safe because Christ has declared it so. Safe. There is a recurring phrase in the Bible that has uh, 
different variations. It sounds like do not fear. It sounds like fear not. It sounds like do not be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. And it occurs 365 times in Scripture. That means there's one do not be afraid for every day of the calendar year, except leap year. On that day, be afraid. (laughs) Stay indoors. But there is a do not be afraid for every day of the year. So in 1 Timothy, we hear, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Jesus says to the disciples on the night that he was arrested, do not let your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. He said it to the whole group, but I imagine he was looking Peter straight in the face. Because it's Peter who struggled, see? It was Peter when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so Christ said, yes, see, Peter, you have answered rightly. And because of that, you are a rock. And upon this rock, I'll build my my whole church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And then just a few verses later, barely a, a few verses later, when Jesus says, now I'm going in and I'm, I must die, I must give my life up, and you can't go with me right now. Peter says, no, 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 I'm going with you. I'm a loyalist, I'm a six. He didn't quite say it that way, but I'm, I'm there with you. Even if I should die, I'll go with you. And Jesus turns to him and says, now you're being a Satan to me, an obstacle, an advocate. You're in the way, you're a stumbling block. Sixes, like Peter, have the capacity to move from being a rock to being a stumbling block in just a matter of moments. Because we have the courage, a six has the courage to act on faith, but in sinking into the mind can become a stumbling block. On the night he was arrested, it was Peter who drew a sword and cut off the ear of the guy trying to arrest him. I mean, a six will cut a brother, okay? But a few hours later before dawn, he denies even having known him. You can move from rock to stumbling block in a heartbeat. Do you know somebody in your life who is a loyalist? They are there, but you know just beneath the surface they are constantly aware of this chronic worry. Is it safe? Are we secure? Are we going to be okay? In Christ, we get to declare you are okay. Now, I want you to meet a little bit more uh, closely and intimately uh, my friend and our guest. Would you welcome to the stage David Harding? David, thank you for being willing to come up. Thank you. Yeah. We still consider you to be our pastor. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. So I'll send a pledge card in the mail this week. And I'm, I'm, I'm expecting it. <laughs> no, we, we really are grateful that you'd be here. Um, so David, we go back, not just that I was the pastor of the church where they were, where we were for a while, but, but also David and Mary and their three adult children, we think the absolute world of. These are our very good friends. And I want to ask you a couple things just so we can maybe put a face on this besides Peter. And the first question that I wanted you to think about was, what are you learning about yourself lately, David, when it comes to um, being an Enneagram 6? What are you learning these days about your sixness? It's been quite a journey as I see the Enneagram and understand this 
concept of the nine personality types. I see it as a map, and as you said earlier, I'm, every bit of it, all nine points are a part of me, but I've seen myself gravitate to this loyal position, and you brought up leap year. Well, I better be worried about leap year because yeah, you right. brought up that little window mm -hmm. of concern. Yep. Yeah, you're and, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So now I've got to consternate on it, yeah. and I realize that this map is a map of movement. It's very dynamic. Mm. It's very diabolical, mm. and it's helping me to see what really is going on in me and that in my upbringing as a missionary kid mm -hmm. in Ethiopia, having been born there, having been hearing the gospel all my life, I have realized, as I've done this work on the Enneagram, that I have created my own neighbor, mm. an inner neighbor, mm. that I didn't know I had done. And it's not just one neighbor, it's actually a neighborhood. Mm. And it can be very scary mm. in there. And I've been able to trace where does this fear come from? Mm. What happened to me? And it's taken me back to when I was six years old in Ethiopia, and my parents at the time, I had three older brothers and an older sister, but the only way to get schooling was to be sent to boarding school. And so it was like my parents dropped me off on the front steps of the school and sent me off to college when I was six and didn't see them until Christmas and then again in the summer. So for three years, I was in boarding school. And a sense of abandonment sure. came upon me that I had to react to and make a life. Mm -hmm. And I'm a counterphobic. Mm -hmm. I pretended to be the rebel. Mm -hmm. I was the rebel, actually. I pre pre projected onto others that I am stole your strength. Stole your principal's car. Exactly. I stole my principal's car because I felt I was in prison. Right. I had to... And this is the other thing about the Enneagram. It's showing me that I have cut myself off. In my head, I had to figure out a strategy for security. And I cut myself off from my heart. I couldn't feel anymore what I was really wanting to feel. And then even my body was telling me to run. So it was fight, flee, or freeze. I wanted to flee the school. I actually ran away from home a few times also. So my body was telling me, these yeah, things, yeah. but I didn't yeah. know that until I started doing this work. Okay. We are more than our type. Mm -hmm. We are actually in my unhealthy state. I go to a three. So you could pretend, right. I could pretend that I'm a three. I could be the chameleon. Mm -hmm. I could be the person you wanted me to be right. at any time at the drop of a hat. So, so let's talk about that in a minute. So you, you bring up the faith or the fear piece yeah. and where it began to emerge. Mm -hmm. How does it emerge still these days? And I'm going to couple it with the other question. Where do you see the fears continuing to emerge? Because we don't, we don't get rid of our tendency. We just learn to stay awake to it, right? So how has your fear become uh, more visible in your life lately? And what, is your, what does your faith say about that? What does your faith do to, to, uh, to keep you safe? Well, as a loyalist as somebody who wants to be accepted and is very much committed to the tribe, I've seen that that loyalty is projected outwardly and it's external. So I gravitated uh, initially when I was younger to sports. Mm -hmm. 
I needed to project a powerful position, so I became a soccer player, and I got scholarships. And as the body starts to wane, you have to give that uh, false security up. And so I saw the church as my external security, mm -hmm. theology. I got into apologetics and trying to, you know, have these arguments with my friends about philosophy and about what, what's happening. And it was all this head game, mm. still cut off from my heart. So the loyalty, as I've seen it projected outwardly, doesn't get me anywhere. Mm. In fact, as a thinker, as the center of my thinking space, I'm most out of touch with my real thoughts. And then I have come to realize, and what the Bible says repeatedly, my, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my mm. ways. I cannot get to God by thinking. Mm. Finally, I have to wake up to this thing called faith, another way of knowing, which opens up a whole nother vista. And I can realize that this boundary that I falsely created by splitting, and I'm a splitter, mm. I split things up into a million pieces, yeah. and the world becomes so disparate and mm -hmm. uh, different that I become the judge. And I determine who gets in and where these different people and things fit. So I, my, my role now is to assume by courage this position of faith to be able to see differently mm -hmm. and to see my heart again, welcome my heart back, heal the heart. And all of this is done with Christ. Mm -hmm. And he's the one that is helping me heal. Mm -hmm. And then that also affects my body. Yeah. So which which heart, is part of the, t the text we read, right? So absolutely. The, so it's the Christ who who reaches down to pull you back out of your sinking into your head, back out of the sinking into the chaos of your thoughts, the watery chaos of your thoughts. It's he who pulls you out, but you, you have to call out for him. I have to call out for him, and I have to realize that I'm extremely rich in thinking. Hmm. And I think many of the, the uh, quotations in the Bible about being rich is that we are very rich up here, yeah. and it creates a poverty in here. And I have to stop my crazy mind. I call it the monkey mind, jumping here and there everywhere. Yeah. And, it, and it's this dualistic thinking that creates friction and heat and a lot of pressure inside. And until I can see that, name it and welcome it and allow then Christ to tell me it's safe. You are safe. You're safe. I've, Do not be afraid. When I was dropped off at six years old, yeah in Ethiopia at Bingham Academy, Christ was in me and with me. God said, I loved you then. I've never left you. I have to go back there to that point and now start making a different kind of decision, not out of fear of being separate from my family and from God, but no, with God now, it takes on another meaning. Yes. That's I'm good. having to redefine my yeah. Yeah. existence based on truth, not how, a lie. How, gosh, so how do you... But that's also a frightening place to be because, because it means you have to, you and I were talking lately about, um, I told you that I, I told our folks last week that true learning is first unlearning. Mm -hmm. True um, knowledge begins with unknowing mm -hmm. first. And that's painful because it's a stripping away of all that has served you well. Mm -hmm. It served you well from six years old on to put up this, this kind of uh, gate around your mind, around your heart really. Mm -hmm. Uh, put a moat around your heart and a drawbridge that nobody can get in and you don't have to get out, right? But the, eventually it has to crumble. 
mm. and you start failing. And you see the pressure on the relationships with Mary, with my children, with colleagues. It starts to fall apart yeah. because it's immature. And it's it must. Childish. And it must fall apart. It must. And I have to learn to let go. And this is the descent, I think, that Christ is saying, follow me into the pit. But Christ doesn't leave us there. He says, this is the way out. This is the straight path. The straight path is realizing that yeah. God in me, and so the, the internal authority that I now am cultivating is with Christ. The authority is not out there anymore. I don't have to be afraid of it. It's in a, fact, it's I a can treasure, challenge it. It's a treasure in the clay jar. Absolutely. It, because the, the treasure is within you. Right. And has been waiting to be discovered and right. welcomed and received the whole time. And this is the whole mystery. Paul says to the Corinthians, don't you realize that the spirit of Christ is in you? Yeah. Unless you fail yeah. the test. Yeah. And I have failed the test for decades. Even though I've been in the missions mm -hmm. and reaching out to the neighbor overseas to Ethiopia, the neighbor I totally ignored was here. Yeah. In here. It was you who said, it was David who said to me, we were discussing Matthew 25 one time. This is, we're off script now, by the way. We're just, we're riffing. We're having fun now. It was, it was David who said to me years ago, we were talking about Matthew chapter 25, give uh, food to the hungry, drink to the neighbor, welcome the stranger, visit the sick and imprisoned. But it was you who first, who first suggested, what if the, what if the, the most hungry and the most thirsty and the most estranged and the most imprisoned and the most uh, afflicted is not anybody out there but what if it's and so jesus wants you to welcome the stranger in you as a way to be fed and be nourished right yeah, and i think that's what wisdom is wisdom is to be able to see the whole picture yes. it's for holiness and wholeness mm -hmm. but we have become partial we were very partial people and we're cutting and splitting, and that's why we see in churches, what do we have, 36,000 denominations? Yeah, right. And just the political disarray that we're in now, but it's very clear that our God mm -hmm. is not one of partiality. Mm -hmm. But that is the lesson I need to learn, that God yeah. wants to save yeah. all of me, yeah. not yeah. just yeah. this peace God in is the not future. Even, God is not even, is, God is not for partiality between people, but God is not... God does not affirm the partitions we place between our own head and heart and our heart and body, that we're made whole and saved whole, redeemed whole, right? right? Because so, I, what I do, I make Humpty Dumpty. I am the one, I create the kings yeah. and the animals yeah. that cannot put Humpty Dumpty back, back mm. together again. Only God can do yes. that in each of us. And that's why the journey inward is to finally discover Christ in me. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. hope of glory. The hope of glory, yeah. So we could do this five more hours, and I would, I would not weary of it. Um, so stay with us tonight. We'll do that. But I do want to ask one last question for you, maybe just one answer to if, if there is a, a six in somebody's life, what is one tip that they need to hear about how to love you, how to love the six in your life so that they hear the message of Christ, which is you are safe. So what, what's one thing to remember? For me that I'm, I'm learning is that the prayer platform for sixes, people of fear, living in fear, I need to go into silence. That mm -hmm. takes courage, but I need to sit silently with God, and it, we call it centering prayer, but I need to stop this churning, the, the tossing of the sea, 
this tempest, tornado, whirlwind, Job calls it, but, and realize that Christ is present in me always and always has been, is now, and always forever will be. And that becomes the strength, the security, the safety, realizing that I truly have been loved. I am the beloved, which is what my name means, yeah, beloved. Beloved, that's it. The silence, the hushing, the hushing. Okay. Well, we want to do this. We, we finish each sermon during the series with a song from Sleeping at Last. And this one is written specifically from the perspective of the loyalist, the six, who has all the strengths and the troubles that you've heard us talking about today. And Adam is going to sing it for us now.
So friends, it's been said that there are more sixes in the world than any other number. So you know somebody today who needs to hear the words, you're safe. By Christ and through Christ, you're safe. Would you join me in thanking David for sharing his life with us today? Thank you, David. All right.